Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. And on this bonus episode, I am actually joined by Josh from Haunting Seasons, one of the uh, most popular TikTokers out there right now. Am I? That's uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I just I know because one of the reasons I found you was uh through TikTok is because I guess the For You page, um, algorithm, whatever, because uh, I was into movies and I was into horror and paranormal and stuff like that. And you, one of the main ones that keep popping up. Yeah, yeah. I've been putting a lot of effort into it, um, which in the past for like other platforms hasn't really resulted in this much uh, visibility. So I'm still, you know, I'm a year in, but I'm still kind of have like shock, you know, from all of it. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it just keeps growing. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I have one myself. I mostly just use it for like watching and viewing. And then I got, of course, we got one for the podcast. So you mostly just post uh, like audio, gener- automatic audio generated voice and just like it describing our episode or whatever, or snippets from the episode altogether. Which I probably should be um, like putting out videos just talking about certain things, but I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, it's a lot of work. People don't realize how much work it is to create content, like even just creating a podcast. You know, it's work. You, you got to schedule the time for it. You got to edit it down. You got to get it out there. You, you need to advertise it. You know, every single one of these TikToks is like uh, it, it's a production, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you in, because I like interviewing people with the podcast throughout the paranormal community. Um, I still yet to get an alien expert, but that's some for, or not an alien expert, but like someone else in aliens. Cause right now believe in the bizarre, you know, very well. Um, yeah. They're the only ones actually so far that are like, they know about aliens that actually, you know, uh, you know, have, want, want to talk and want to get interviewed by me and stuff like that. But I've um, got to hook you up with this guy, Chaz, who I interviewed. He is it a dead yeah, yeah, you know him. Yeah, we, we we he actually was one of our first uh uh interviews like way back when we started a year ago. Uh his his whole concept on the the, the friend the friendship and all that stuff, I that was pretty interesting to talk to him about. Yeah, it was pretty wild, pretty wild. He's the alien guy that I know. So, you know, there we go. <laughs> well, that's six degrees of separation. That's pretty pretty quiet in there. Yeah. Anyway. Um no, but your 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 knowledge of horror films because I like when your TikToks come up because you always suggest like good horror films I might have not heard of kind of the underground or like at least well known. But I always wanted to talk to someone who was less knowledgeable about horror films because uh, one of the subjects I know that comes up with the paranormal and paranormal investigators, those who are depth in it, is that how movies, uh, horror movies, essentially can get it wrong or over dramatic size, if that word makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, sometimes actually get it right. It kind of make you feel like how a paranormal investigator would be in this situation. Um, Cause I know one of the first movies that I watched that I guess really put the idea of the paranormal, like, like I was watching it was paranormal activity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was I wasn't the age to get Blair Witch in the movie theater, but I was the exact right age at like 13 or 15 or 18, somewhere in my teens to see paranormal activity in the theater and the marketing that they did for it of like audiences are too scared to watch, you know, and um yeah, I have a deep connection to those to those films, even though, you know, they get progressively worse. I still like have a huge heart for them because they get the the whole found footage thing on a whole different level from everybody else. 
Yeah. Uh, well, because when found footage started, was starting out, um, I think the first one was Blair Witch, like one of the OGs. Probably one before I, I've never heard that. Blair Witch is the first one I ever saw that was like found mm-hmm. footage style. I remember as a kid, like the lore behind it, like, oh, it's real. They found the tape in the woods. And like, yeah. there was so much like uh, mythology behind it when, when it first came out. Um, well, because back then we didn't really have the internet to the level we have it now. <laughs> right. Uh, Prior activity, I liked a lot because it, it made you feel like you were in a scene. And being someone who's dealt with a paranormal their entire life, it really like spoke to me because it was like, yeah, I've lived that. I will not not to that extent, but I've dealt with paranormal stuff at that level. Um, and the only other movie besides that that really like freaked me out was a uh, was Quarantine. I don't think I've seen that one. Is that a, is it zombie? It's zombie. They they call it rabies or something like some mutant oh, okay. form of rabies, but it's the American remake of a Spanish film record. Uh okay. Yeah. Um not shot for shot, but same plot almost. Yeah. But it's uh instead of like uh a certain place, it's in a it's in a like a like a like a not say uh we call it apartment building. Um but no, what was it's it's basically like people slowly turn into like zombie things that are just like rabid and they don't want to eat you, they just want to kill you. Um but what made it what, what's scary for me is that I always I worked overnight when I was young and and uh, I would always w- w- watch like the midnight showings or the last showing of the night. And I remember saying after the credits for that movie and like thinking maybe uh, like a we call it a, a <laughs> I try to do the damn name word of it right now. Kind of scatterbrains. Um, like an after credit scene. After credit scene. There we go. Yeah. God dang it. Anyway. Um because they were not very popular back then, but I still just to make sure. And I was the last one in the theater. No one was there. I was like, okay, I guess everyone walked away already. So as I was walking out, I didn't see anybody. I didn't see anybody at the front door or at the desk or cleaning or nowhere. The theater was <laughs> empty. And I was like, uh, uh, crap. And I was just waiting for like some freaking like zombie thing to run around the corner at me. Yeah. But I was like, that was like one of the scary things after watching horror films and leaving the theater, there's no one there. I was yeah. like, oh, oh, geez. And I even went to the parking lot and I was like, ah, there's no one here too. What the hell's going on? Um, <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to the paranormal and stuff like that, I think it's getting more, I say more known. Um, and one of the main films that's just seem to get ad- adapted is uh, we call it the Conjuring or the uh, the Warrens, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warrens stories or their experiences that they have. They're adapting the films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I so I've read a little bit of their book, um, The Demonologist, which goes through the history of um, all, all these things that they're making movies out of. And it scared the living daylights out of me. I got it at a little bookstore in New Hampshire and I kept it in the paper bag that it came in because I felt like that somehow would like protect me from it when I wasn't reading it (laughs) or something because I was so scared of that book. Um, And now after this last Conjuring movie came out, the uh, devil made me do it. You know, people were a little, um, they were like not happy with the movie and how it turned out. And it wasn't a true conjuring film because it had a witch in it or whatever. Um, <laughs> instead of like a possession. Um, I, I don't know. I had a good time. Movie was fine. But then we started seeing all this stuff on TikTok and, and coming out about how the Warrens were um, 
how it's not like the real story that they were actually like money grubbers or that, you know, they actually weren't these like nice, kind people um, and that they were putting on a big show. I never know what to believe. Um, It's certainly more fun to believe that it's all real. (laughs) I mean, as they were the OG paranormal investigators and most people go to like the the idea and stuff like that. And actually um, I got to interview uh, Carl Johnson who was uh, there at the Conjuring House the first time. He was actually, his team was the one that uh, told the Warrens about the Conjuring House to come check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he told me firsthand, like, the experience. And he, remember, he told me that he liked uh, the Conjuring film because I asked him, like, did you, like, watch it? Go, oh, that didn't happen. That wasn't real, stuff like that. He said, no, no, I enjoyed it. And he said he loved watching the actors portray the Warrens on screen because he said that's how they were. He said watching them actually reminded me of them. And he actually he liked it because it was like he was watching them on screen again, like he was experiencing them. So that gave me some comfort that maybe some of the stuff that Pete said is not all true. Because if someone who knew them firsthand says like he was watching them on the screen said, oh, yeah, that's how they were. And I, I liked it because it's like I was watching them again. Um, I guess that makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, well, and, you know, we know it's a Hollywood movie, right? Like, they're going to yeah. ramp it up. It's James Wan. He's he's over the top. So he's going to take it, you know, take that core story and make it extra ultra scary. Um, I think there's elements of truth in lots of these movies, especially ones that are based on true events like this. And and it's it, I, I love that it can be corroborated by other people. Like when you think about the second film, um here the people came into that house there were like maybe 12 different investigators that came into that house you know and i think the end result was they figured that the girl was uh playing tricks that the girls were like hitting broomsticks against the ceiling and like pretending to be possessed and stuff but there was some of it that they couldn't explain um and and that leaves the door open for like okay but were they being manipulated at all you know, and some of this stuff we'll just never know. Um, and that's the thing is like, it's hard to make that judgment. Like, did the movie get it right or not? It's more of, and I do this as a writer as well. People ask me if my stories are true, especially when I tell a ghost story. And I always try to write from uh, some sort of truth. I always want there to be some sort of basis of truth in there so that when things go off the wall and get scary, you know, you can still point to like, but this was based on a situation that I was in. This is based on like a paranormal investigation that I did that then inspired this creative work to go up and over the top. Yeah. And that's another thing that I like to about when I found out about about you is that you're also a paranormal investigator, like, or you've done paranormal investigating. Yeah. I, I fell in with a group in Minnesota, which is actually where I am now visiting my cousins. Um, there, there was a group I met on Twitter, they're young adult authors and children's books, writers, and to inspire themselves, they do ghost hunts. They're called ghost stories, Inc. Like I N K instead of I N C. Um, and they're out here in Minnesota. And I, I was like, well, I'm like, I, my cousin's in Minnesota. I would love to see them. So I went out for my first ghost hunt with them and, um, and it was life-changing and I, I came back every three months for like two years and just filmed documentary style, following them around and eventually became a part of the team. That's cool. Um, I, I've been investigating myself for about a year now. Um, and I, I've switched from one team to the other, uh, just cause the previous team had different perspectives of what was meant to be, uh, paranormal yeah, you gotta find your people. Yeah. Um, cause the new, the new team I'm part of was called shadow Walker paranormal. Um, and our, 
what I've learned about investigators um, and stuff like that is that there's always like three types. It's like those who are just out there to get clout and like you're just for fame and like they want to get popular on YouTube, be the next ghost adventures or ghost hunters or something mm-hmm. like that. And there's out there, those who are out there who, who go to seek information and knowledge and want to know about like what the, what the afterlife is and get communication and stuff like that. Maybe validation for some of the stuff they experience when they're young and stuff like that. Um, and granted they can get footage along the, on the way too. But uh, what I usually tell people uh, when I tell about my paranormal team is that our mission is different from those other two. Now, granted we do, collect evidence but it's not a prerogative our main goal in any investigation is to make a place less haunted Mm. Um, by helping the spirits cross over those who want to and taking out the dark ones that are like preventing those from crossing over yeah yeah right on i love that because that's (laughs) like you know if 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 so I went into paranormal investigating because I was curious, but also I was at a point in my life where I felt like I really needed to prove to myself beyond a reasonable doubt that there is something after we die. Uh, I was I was wrestling with mortality and um, going through a divorce and, um, you know, just like lots of turmoil in my life. And, and this opportunity popped up and I was like, I'm going to see if I can prove anything. And I did. I proved to myself, I don't feel like any of the footage that I have um, could prove it to anybody else. I think they'd watch it and be like, maybe, eh, I don't know, you know, or like, nah, you're full of shit. Um, but to me, the experiences I had were valuable enough that like, I, I didn't even release more than I think one or two investigations from that, that I cut into YouTube videos. The rest of it just sits on a hard drive as like memories and experiences that I had. Um, and two, two of the women from the group have realized their potential as psychic and, um, uh, having like medium, I don't know, you know, what we're supposed to call it, but you know, a sensitivity and have one of them in particular, Natalie has moved into that kind of work of, of trying to help situations, help whatever's there move on. So I get, I get it. And I think it's important work. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Um, my wife or Megan, my co-host on the episode, she's a uh, psychic, a, a very, very high level. Um, but she seems to be like a, a collect, not collecting abilities, but every ability that you think of, you've heard of, she's adapting to. It's, it's strange. Like she's um, not proficient in one, but proficient in many, or at least very good. But it's like not one specific that she's at. But we've, yeah, we've uh, every member of the team is psychic. Uh, that is a part of my team. Um, which makes us very uh, like valuable, but also very uh, like we all have a, a purpose and a team of what we can mm-hmm. do. But uh, what was like one of the most experiences that you, um, I guess, not say scared you, but really broke reality for you? Like you maybe had doubts of like the afterlife existing, but after this one experience, you were like, uh, there is the afterlife, there is ghost, there is spirit, there is something going on after we die. Yeah, that that was actually my first experience um, ghost hunting with them. Um, We went to Annie Wilder's house. And the story behind the house is that um, the man who lived there, when his wife died, he um, was feeling like he was lacking purpose. And so he turned his house into like a, a space for widows. This is back in, you know, the time before women really had the infrastructure to support themselves um, without without like a man, you know, 
taking care of them. And so he built his house so that single women who were divorced or widowed would have a place to stay. So he turned his whole, this like three-story Victorian house into a bunch of apartments, like single room apartments. And when she bought the house, you know, years and years and years later, um, Annie took the walls down because it would be an insane place to live with all those walls up, um, but kept the markings on the wall as like remembrance. And she thinks that that's part of the reason why the caretaker is still there. And so the the story is that he is still there and he will allow spirits into this back mudroom to uh, assess whether or not they can come into the rest of the house. He's like the gatekeeper for the house. And if the spirits need somewhere to go and they're a kind and, you know, lost spirit, he'll allow them to come live in the house. So the house was supposedly, you know, extremely haunted. So we go and um, she's gotten some attention for this and she's showing us like dowsing rods and stuff and where the activity is and giving us the tour and everything. And then we spent the whole night trying to prove literally everything she told us as wrong, because that's like what you do as a paranormal investigator is like, you try and prove it wrong as hard as you can with all the knowledge that you have. And if you can't, then it's like, okay, now maybe it's a ghost, you know? So we're doing this all night and they're like certain things where we're like, ah, that's kind of like faulty electricity. Oh, this might be like a bundle of wires in the ceiling or something. And, you know, but there are, it's mixed in with these like kind of interesting experiences. And it's my first time. So I don't really believe in any of it. I kind of want to, but I'm very, very skeptical And I've never met these people before, so I don't feel any sort of connection to anything they're doing other than like, this is really interesting and we're staying up very late. Mm -hmm. And then at three o'clock in the morning, um, we were sitting. So this guy who um, originally owned the house and turned it into this like halfway house on the other side of the mudroom was his apartment and it had an extra kitchen and an extra bedroom. And so he stayed there so that all the women would have a safe space throughout the house. And, um, I got this feeling around like three, three thirty in the morning as we were like wrapping up and I just like pointed with my arm and I was like, I think we need to go into the back kitchen, which we hadn't really spent any time back there. And everyone was like, Whoa, Josh is like getting involved. Like, yeah, let's all go do it. And I walk into the back kitchen and I feel pins and needles from like when your arms asleep instantly, the second I cross over the threshold into the kitchen tips on my toes to the top of my head and it's swirling around me. Like I'm inside of like a Coca-Cola bottle that's been like shaken up or like Mm -hmm. spun around. Like when you used to make like a tornado with your water bottle when you're like 12 years old, Um, (laughs) it feels like that. And like bubbles all around me and like pins and needles. And I start going like, and they're like, what's going on? And I'm telling them and they're like, Oh, ask him to like, give you a sign that he's there. And I'm like in my head, like this is so, freaking stupid um so i put my arms out like this and i was like hey i can't remember his name but i'm just gonna say martin hey martin um thank you so much for letting us stay in your house and inviting us in um my name is josh i'm from new york and um i just want you to know i'm like i had a really nice time and uh you know i mean all good things and uh if you're there give me a sign and just like that i felt two hands aggressively like shove my back and I fell forward onto my feet, like stepped forward and everybody like recoiled and was like, what was that? And I was like, I, I, uh, no. And they were like, no, what happened? And I told them even, even in that moment being like, this didn't just happen. Like that wasn't real. I've got to be just like, so tired. I'm hallucinating or something. 
And they're like, do it again, do it again, do it again. And I did it and I felt it again. It wasn't as strong, but I felt it again. And from that moment on was just, okay, there's something. There's something beyond when we die because there's no one behind me. My whole group is in front of me. Like, and that happened twice. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, I, I never get uh, anything to touch me, or at least I, I keep them back at a bay most of the time, uh, or I don't allow them to even get that close. <laughs> but um, my, uh, uh, yeah, out investigating as we what, what we do, like I said, most of the time we're just out there to clear because we are we're, our our main psychic routine, Mike. He's almost like called to certain places around where we live in North Carolina um, to go there because we're needed for some reason. Um, and he's very in tune to the other side. Well, one, he's died three times and has come back. Um, he has multiple wow. health issues that caused him when he's early life that to come back and die and come back. And uh, I think because of that, he has a very strong connection to the other side amongst with, with his abilities. But yeah, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff uh, out there, but I remember when I first dated my wife, um, cause she has been haunted or spirits have come to her since like she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was see. I've been. I was touched. I was grabbed. I was scratched. Uh, I saw a door not uh, like someone's trying to get through the closet. Um, I saw a girl peek around the corner, and this is all while I was dating her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she. I know she was like she was a warrior. Like I, I'd be scared away. Like ah, no, no, I'm into this kind of stuff. I, I you, you actually found the right guy. So, <laughs> but no, I know what you mean by like being grabbed by something that like you can't physically see, and then. Like the sensation, like you felt hands on you, but yet there's no one there. Yeah. 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 I have, I've yet to see anything. Um, I don't think I've captured anything. I've, I've witnessed things having moved. Um, you know, we did an investigation in a hotel and we were the only people there and there was a red ball upstairs. And every time we came up as a group, the ball would be somewhere different in the hotel. Um, and, and we believe after the full investigation that the, that there was like a boy somehow trapped on that second level, like he couldn't come down and the rest of the team, there were two people at the same time saw the boy on like sticking his head through the banister at the top of the stairs. And they both said it at the same time, like, um, without hesitation, there there was like no way for that to happen other than they both saw the same thing. Um, I've, I've I felt bummed that I didn't get to actually see him though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I remember the most creepiest thing I've ever seen that didn't make any sense is after I did the interview with Carl Johnson, um, here in the same room, actually where I'm in right now, uh, the bathroom was laid down the hall. I remember I went to the bathroom and I was coming back in here and I was telling my wife like, Oh, all the cool stuff he said and stuff like that. And I was walking back to this room cause I was going to close everything up and a, a black mass that was about the size of a cat, but had like the shape of a big, long like caterpillar, I guess. But it looked like it was made of shadow. <laughs> ran through my legs, which I didn't feel. I just saw it run through my legs in back into this room before I could walk in here. Whoa. And all the lights were on. There was no like it wasn't. I mean, it was, it was nighttime, but like all the lights were on. And it stood out because it was just black by itself. And it moved like a cat essentially ran back into this room and my wife saw it too. She goes, what the hell was that? I'm like, I don't know. So we came into this room and she was trying to feel around like, like, well, what was it? She said, whatever it was, is gone. But that was like, 
one of the weirdest things I've ever seen uh, when it comes to like the shadow figures. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, yeah. I have a, I have a friend who does um, well, he started out as like an urban explorer and then had a paranormal experience and became a paranormal investigator, which is a really interesting path to it because he doesn't have, he, he was never interested in this stuff, but he had one experience that made him question like everything he knew. And so along with the urban exploring now does investigating with it. And what he was talking to me about, um, we recorded an episode for November recently, and he was talking about how, um, you know, everybody does these investigations at night, but he likes to do them during the day because that really proves to him that there's something like actually happening and it's not your psyche and you like stayed up too late or it's dark and you see shadows out of the corner of your eyes. If he can find stuff, find evidence during the day, he feels like, okay, like this makes sense. There's something here. Yeah. Uh, I've never done an investigation during the day, though I've been at places during the day when um, like things like start acting up and uh, my wife starts getting messages and she starts uh, saying, Oh, someone's here and stuff like that. There's a, there's a, uh, a old fort near us, um, Fort Macon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's nearest. That's like a, we can go there look at everything and stuff like that. And being an old uh, military fort, it's been around since like the civil war days. There's a lot of dead, you know, people there who died and stuff like that. So there's a lot of spirits there that we actually, um, during the day with other people walking around that uh, we came in contact with um, that we used uh, different equipment. Now, I, I don't know what equipment that you ever chose to use, but I usually tell people that the best equipment you can have is your phone. Um, granted, there's not a lot of apps out there that, you know, are worth anything, but the two that I would put any stock in is Necrophonics and Ghost Tube. Hmm. Yeah. Those are the two most accurate apps of like you can use on your phone to speak to the other side uh, when it comes to asking questions and stuff like that and getting answers back. But um, yeah, what I think, I guess uh, I always like to ask people, especially who are in horror films like that. And, and it's funny enough, I was explaining this to a coworker today that, is that she was like, she didn't like horror because it, you know, she was describing a slasher film. I'm like, you know, the genre of horror has a many different subgenres that are <laughs> not all the same. And being a metal fan myself is how I describe metal to people. It's like this metal, and then there's all the subgenres that go underneath it. There's more to it than just what you hear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was explaining to her like, you know, you got you got gore, you got slasher, you got you know paranormal, you got you know uh, suspense, you got you know sci-fi. You got there's a whole bunch of different ones. You got like which one? She oh, the slasher, I guess. But um, Narrowing down to like your favorite horror film, you have one particular like you like go to like that's your like your favorite horror film just because it scared you or it just like really like made you think when you watched it. Yeah, I get this question a lot. Um, I've been doing a lot of like podcast guest spots this year, and the question gets asked a lot, and it and it keeps kind of proving to be the ring. I always say that it's. Um, I always say that it's the thing. I always say that it's uh, poltergeist. But I think after this whole year of being asked this question, it's actually the ring, the American version of the ring, mm. because it's everything I've ever wanted out of a, a scary movie. You get the jump scares, you get the mystery, you have um, 
you know, an investigation going on. There's puzzle pieces. You have to like, you know, discover the story bit by bit as you go along. And at the end, you end up falling in love with the ghost. It's perfect in my mind. Yeah. I remember when I first watched it, it was, it was, it was freaking. Again, I was like 1920. Can't remember exactly when it came out. Um, but no, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, I mean, the way you described it is perfect. Cause it has like all your adaptions into it when it comes to like, you know, just, especially the scene in the, in the beginning where they show the girl's face in a closet. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the great thing. Yeah. They have that huge jump scare in the beginning that sets you on edge and then everything calms down and you start getting this story and you get lost in the story. I love that because I'm, I, I love a good creature feature. I love a good found footage. I can, you know, watch a, like the saw movies and, you know, the twists and everything. And I love M night Shyamalan and, and like signs and all that. So I have love for so many different kinds of movies, but the ones that really get me, we have a deep story and a deep understanding of whatever the, the bad guy, the creature, the ghost, you know, I want to understand it in the end. I don't just want to be like, boo, ah, boo, ah, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I never really have one in particular that I like more than others, but uh, uh, the one I always talk the most about is uh, like paranormal activity. And like that one, when I first saw it, like it made me scared after I watched it. Like I remember coming home and every time I heard a creak or a crack in my house, I'm like, "Ah, ah," like looking around and stuff like that. Like it set that mindset in me. And like, well, now that dealing with it all the time, I don't think it would do the same, but at the time, yeah, Yeah. it really, yeah. it, It put me in that, that, sense that uh, uh, any kind of thing like that would go on. Um, well, the genius of that film is you are leaning in, looking and looking and looking for something, and they never show it to you. You know, it's the invisible thing that's coming after you. And you go home without having the satisfaction of being like, oh, I saw the creature. It was CGI. They didn't do enough of the makeup. They didn't blah, 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 blah. No, like ends. I mean, I guess depending on which version you see, but it it basically ends with like a smash cut, you know, and it's like over and you're like, did I see something? Was there a shadow? Was there, you know, but like how the series, I know you said it, <laughs> it gradually got worse, but I mean, I've seen them all and I liked, and I liked, especially, I forgot which one it was. I think it was a marked ones um, mm. where it kind of did like a circle loop back to the beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. now they're remaking them. Did you know that? Oh, why? Why did I got to do that? Because they said they could, the the article that I read was that they could continue doing it, but the people who are kids now, who are going to, who the movie's going to be marketed to, don't really know about the first one or haven't found the first one or don't have the connection of watching those films as they come out and, and being of that time of that technology. So they're going to basically restart the story. I think different family, but similar setup. Um, so it, it should feel, it should feel like a new movie. It shouldn't be the exact same shots, you know, mm-hmm. or the exact same plot. Hopefully it'll still feel fresh, but it's, it's like a reboot, uh, which seems to be the, the theme lately. I guess maybe that's just part of getting older. <laughs> yeah. Like all our movies that we watched when we were kids, it's just like, Oh, why are they redoing it? It was fine the way it was. Uh, yeah. I like this whole trend of like sequels though. I'm excited for the new Ghostbusters. I was really happy with the new Candyman because they didn't try and erase anything that happened before. They're just like, and now this, you know? 
I get to watch the new Candyman. Uh, I remember seeing the first one when I was a kid, um, mm. which was a bad idea because uh, I never wanted to go into a bathroom when it was dark. This <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> a mirror. Um, but the new one looked good because I mean, all the, all, everyone they cast it, like they're they're great actors. So I'm like, oh, this probably looks really good. So it's I great. Go, I would yeah. I would rewatch the first one first because it is a, it's a direct sequel as if none of the other ones happened. So it's Candyman, the original Candyman 2020. Mm, yeah. I'll try to do that when I finally can watch it at home. Um, but wait, I'm trying to guess. Like I'm, I'm thinking you're you're close to my age. I'm 34. Yeah, I'm 30. I'm going to be 36 in November. Oh, a little older. Never mind. But yeah, we I guess we come from the same generation. We're talking about movies yeah. when we were young and stuff like that. But um, I'm looking at you, and I get the vibe that you you uh, look like an ex hardcore kid. A little bit. I dabbled. I was I was into punk. I was into hardcore. I grew up in New Jersey, so there are lots of like um, like metal slash pop punk bands um, and like all the little clubs. And we would go and and go see the shows. And um, yeah, in high school, was like into camo jackets and you know old military stuff and blasting music. And I had a green mohawk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, was, I was around them but um, no, the reason I brought that up is because one uh, particular thing that I like because being a metal fan myself and I've been in mostly everything is the rock genre from metalcore to deathcore like to heavy metal to pop punk to to the, the scene at the time of the uh, 2010 to about 2016 or 2017 I forget when the scene started dying out but um, one band that I like, because what I like hearing is that when metal musicians or musicians take a horror theme or these horror ideas and they add it to their music. Mm-hmm. Um, and one band that right now that I like a lot, I liked them since they came out, but what they're, they actually adapted two whole albums to the horror genre to begin with is Ice Nine Kills. I was just going to say that because yeah. I, um, I, I got a press kit. That's part of like my whole TikTok journey is like, I'm now getting these like press release kits. Um, I got one for Halloween kills that was like delivered by Michael Myers. It's, it's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm working, I was literally hopped on this, uh, recording from editing my ice nine kills video. Cause they sent me the album and like an evidence box of, um, of stuff like, like the poncho from psych, um, American psycho, the wig from psycho, a knife, um, a bunch of other stuff like fake blood. Uh, yeah so i hadn't i hadn't really heard of them um i had seen little clips on tiktok of their music video but didn't really know what it was until i got this box and i started doing a deep dive on them and um they're they're really diverse this album has so much um it's almost like every song is a different kind of metal even yeah no they were always like the the, not say a typical scene band but the formula of the scene metalcore band back with early mid 2006 and then on was like you had to have screaming and you had to have singing uh you know within the music like chorus to be singing the verse to be screaming or vice versa and you just had to have have it part part of the music and you had to have breakdowns and of course the the fast-paced riffs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. ice nine kills were always I liked them a lot when I first heard them because they had almost a technical side, but they were very melodic technical when they first started out. And they've kind of added that, that touch. And of course, Spencer, the vocalist was always, you know, he's a good singer and a good screamer at the same time. And he would always, and then they also other members of the band would add in a singing part or a screaming part. So like everyone was vocally heard um, mm-hmm. as backup. So it wasn't just like Spencer was doing everything on his own. He, they had other, the member, each other member was 
adding their parts. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've always liked them because it was like I got every bit of kind of metal with their album. Like they had a dab of this, dab of that, dab of that. And uh, like, I guess my favorite song in the album is Hip to be Squared. The, mm-hmm. uh, the the American Psycho, uh, I guess, yeah. song, influence song. Because it's just melodically, it's great. And then like the, when they add in like uh the parts like lines from the movie and they 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 add that random uh part where it goes into like sounds like an 80s song or they're basically replaying the scene where uh you lose in the news yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was like oh, oh like holy crap and so it was, it was awesome yeah i didn't know because I, I was gonna i didn't know if you were knew them or not to uh uh, check them out but yeah um, I, I only know this album um this this most recent one welcome to horrorwood um so I, i've got to go back now i gotta go back and hear where they came from i i like doing that with i like doing deep dives the other day i realized like i hadn't listened i hadn't actually sat down and listened to rob zombie i had only ever heard it in like middle school on someone else's like cd player or something so um, then I get to like on my commutes, I'll be like, okay, album one on the way to work, album two on the way back. And I'll do that for like a week and listen to an entire discology of a person to understand it better. So I feel like Ice Nine Kills is my next one. Yeah. Well, the album before this one um, was all, is, well, I guess their first dip in the horror themed music. And mm-hmm. it's just basically every single song is about a killer in the in like in horror films. Like yeah, one about Jason, one about Freddy Krueger, one about Chucky. Uh, which I funny enough, they I don't think they actually did one of Chucky in the first one, but they added him to the second album. Mm-hmm. But they have uh, a song, a song about Jigsaw. It's just like they 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 first did that, and everyone loved it. And I guess when they continue on with the uh, work on the horrorwood, it was just like, oh, okay, they're they're adapting more into the horror thing, not just like the killers and like gore films and stuff like that. Which like if they keep doing this, this could be like their niche. Like this is like what yeah. is them which I, I i'll be down for it i'll listen to every single one to keep coming out albums about horror stuff like yeah. they doing stuff yeah. about like like ghost films and stuff like that that'd be like awesome yeah it's it's not even my exact prefer i've always been into rock i've always been into some heavier stuff i never really got into hardcore per se um or, or like really really heavy metal but because of the theme of it i find myself really enjoying it and then that unlocks my uh my interest in the music and you know like you're saying they have the breakdowns they have the fast part they have the slow part they have you know like every song is a journey and then now you're adding into it the thing i love most which is horror movies and you know now i'm going on a, a journey hearing a story i'm going on a journey hearing music change and i'm going on a journey like in in one of my favorite themes it's like it's just perfect it's it i feel like it's going to open up people's doorways to this type of music too yeah and it's it's one thing i always always like when bands start doing that we start jumping into other kind of forms of media that are somewhat related um and they can attach like those fans who like that can like this and stuff like that that's what i I really like about it that's always like the connection with horror and like psychobilly and rockabilly like they always mm-hmm. went hand in hand, especially like horror punk. Mm-hmm. Um, they always seem to like to be like always themed around it. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I started liking that kind of music in the first place. Um, though I think I don't think you know about Rockabilly Psychobilly. A little bit. I mean, no, like okay. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't name artists, but I, I in my head can hear that type of music. Dink 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 dink. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the stand up bass and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I just yeah. When it comes to like like 
popular style music, I guess. Ice Nine Kills seems to be in the forefront when adapting that horror theme with metal and stuff like that. And like they're actually getting more uh, popular because of it. And I'm all down for it. Um, I see I'm running low on time. Uh, <laughs> but it was a good conversation. Uh, I, I yeah. enjoyed talk to you. Uh, where can uh, everyone find you? You know, their your links and stuff. Yeah, I'm haunting season everywhere. I'm haunting season on TikTok. That's where the 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 most most growth has been happening. I do horror movie reviews and spooky content. I don't know. It's whatever I feel like really, but it's all horror themed or or at least like spooky themed. My wife would argue certain movies I talk about aren't technically horror, but like you said, there's like a billion different subgenres. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I've got my podcast, which is Haunting Season, where I tell my own scary stories that I write, um, and I create 360 degree soundscape so there's like music and sound effects and and what i'm starting to mess with now is um i have the narrator's voice which is mine but i'm i'm working with friends of mine to do the voices of other characters and make them sound like they're in an environment um so that my voice is clear like this but then the person might sound like they're in a room or on the highway or in a car you know or whatever um so those are really my two big platforms Okay, uh, that's 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 all. Awesome. And I always encourage people that are listening right now um, to go check out his TikTok and stuff like that. Especially because I know everyone listening is into horror and stuff like that. Since we listen to us, yeah. uh, when it comes to spooky and scary. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, as always, guys, you can catch our social media hidden in the shadows podcast on Instagram, hidden in the shot six on tick uh, on Twitter, hidden in the podcast two on TikTok. I'm not using a Boston accent; that's how it's spelled. Um, and uh, or just links to all our social media hidden in the shadows podcast.com. We get links to our merch and uh, everywhere you can listen to us and everywhere you can follow us. Um, but as always, catch your weirdos in the next one. <laughs>